Parkview on the Go. I'm Nathan, one of the pastors around here, and I just wanted to start by saying, hey, we've got a great service plan for you today as Pastor Tim closes out our teaching series titled The Separation of Church and Hate. But real quick, if this is your first time joining us, we are so glad you found us. Regardless of your background or your story, I believe God is pursuing you and that he wants you to take a step toward him this week. And we would love to help you with that. So go to parkviewchurch.com slash next steps just to start a conversation with our staff about what that might look like for you. Again, that's parkviewchurch.com slash next steps. Now, before we get rolling, I want to say thank you to every single person who has been so, so crazy generous. Every one of you who supported Parkview's mission financially and has helped us continue to reach more and more people with the love of God. Someone from the Parkview family forwarded me a text they received from a friend, and I just want to read it to you. I think it's awesome. It says this, Thanks for sharing Parkview services on Facebook. I dropped my daughter off and I'm parked listening to service and my heart feels so good. I'm listening to the separation of church and hate and it's just awesome, just what I needed. I'm in a parking lot, sitting in my car, and rather than thinking this sucks because I'll be here for hours, I feel blessed because I have this time in my day to listen to God's word. So to the person who shared Parkview with their friend and to everyone who faithfully gives, thank you. We are reaching people all around the world because of you. And if you would like to support the mission of Parkview, text Parkview online to 77977 and just follow the instructions on your screen. Thanks again for checking out Parkview on the Go. Enjoy the service. Shake at the 
Parkview, good to have you with us today. Yes, um, this is weird. I'm wearing my baptismal jersey, okay? Wonderful friend made me this, cut up two jerseys and sewed them together so that when I do mass baptisms, I can ask people if they'd like to be baptized, you know, lefty or righty. It works out pretty cool, right? So here's my question for you today. Would Jesus be a Sox fan or a Cubs fan? I mean, would it not be the most appropriate World Series in 2020 to have the Cubs versus the Sox? I promise you there will be a cardboard cutout of my face at that game if it happens. So go with me. Wherever you're listening, is Jesus a Sox fan? Is Jesus a Cubs fan? You see, the problem is your answer is based on nothing but your own preference, right? You get that. I mean, there's nothing more Jesus-like about one team or another, no matter how much we want to give each other, you know, a hard time. And personally, I could see Jesus with Chance the Rapper in a Sox hat. I mean, you got to admit, right? But, but there are great Christians on both teams. Um, David Bodie from the Cubs grew up in my friend Rick Russo's church in Colorado. I mean, there's good Christians on both teams. That's not really the deal, okay? Actually, I think Jesus would probably wear a jersey like mine because he was all about people, period. So how would he vote? Well, Jesus loved converting tax collectors like Zacchaeus and Matthew, so he was relieving the taxation of the world, so he's red. But, well, Jesus walked around healing everybody, and that's called free health care, so that's blue. And, hey, Jesus rode a donkey, not an elephant, in on Palm Sunday, folks, I'm just saying. So let's talk one more time about the separation of church and hate. It's... Uh, Last time we'll do it. Next week is our last week of no live services at our campuses, okay? Pay attention. Pastor Todd is going to come. He's going to preach online only about unicorns and butterflies and fairies. And then October 11th weekend, we'll be back to every weekend services with kids' classes because the kids are going back to school and you can't stand them anymore. I get it, okay? We're all going to be in protocol, 25% capacity, outdoor seating available if the weather holds, masks, 
the whole deal. I mean, the CDC is confused right now about transmission, but we're going to go with wherever they're at and follow the guidelines. My theory is that COVID is spread by elbow bumping, but they're not listening to me. And October 11th also, I'm going to start a sermon series that we all probably need more than ever before. And it's based on, in my opinion, the greatest scripture of all time. It's the GOAT, if you don't understand that terminology, greatest of all time. And it has the same number as the GOAT of basketball, Michael Jordan. Yes, it does. 23, the GOAT. New series. We're going to talk through, in case you haven't put it together yet, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Our small groups are going to do it together. You can register here at this link on the screen. Just go to parkviewchurch.com slash 23, Psalm 23, and get signed up, okay? And here's why this is important. When my girls used to be, when they were little, sometimes they would call out and they would say, Hey, Daddy, I'm scared. There's a monster in here, okay, right? And you'd walk in and you'd see a shadow on the wall, right? And it looked kind of like a monster, except this one time I remember it looked like a monster with a sombrero on, and that kind of made me laugh. You know, nacho! So you turn on the light, and it would show that it was just really a weird shadow that was reflecting off the nightlight or something else that was going on. I, I think the reality is when we live in this world of fear and uncertainty and doubt, when the, the, the world of FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, it's like we're living with the lights off and we see every shadow and every monster and we're trembling in fear until somebody turns the light on, until somebody comes in and turns the light on. So what we're going to have to do during this time is to shine a light on the hope that is really important. And, and what we're doing during this time is admitting that both of our parties have flaws and I'm going to make mistakes and that whoever gets elected is not going to be the savior of the universe. And that's going to be hard for us to admit, but that's why we're starting Psalm 23, to focus on the real solution to the problems. The Lord is my shepherd, not the next president. So it seems like what we really need right now. Green pastures, still waters, and even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil, okay? So here's the problem as I see it. Boxes. We have some American boxes, okay? We're throwing everybody in boxes. If they're in a red box, they must be a redneck, gun-loving evangelical. If they're in a green box, I don't know, is that what a libertarian is? They're a conflict-avoiding vegan hippie. If they're in a blue box, you know, they're a tax-loving socialist. And those are just the political boxes, right? We have the racial boxes as well. There's the Black Lives Matter box and the Blue Lives Matter box. And of course, we we also have coronavirus boxes, you know, like everybody should wear a mask box. And this is my picture of the Memorial Day party at the Lake of the Ozarks that, as it turned out, was a boom to their economy because, you know, I mean, they didn't care. We have all of these boxes going on all around us. So 2020 is a perfect storm of boxes. That's what it is. So I'm going to show you a video. I got to give you up front. Everybody is okay. Turns out okay. Doesn't look good, but it turns out okay. This is my illustration of the boxes of 2020.
So what happens is, it's a lot easier to be divided than united if we're all in our own boxes. When we put ourselves in a box and everybody else in a box, what do we end up doing? Boxing. You see what I did there? When we're in a box and everybody else is in a box, we have 2020. That's what happens. And everybody's scared and they're nervous that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. But I would like to offer you a Jesus perspective to change all of that. When we can see people outside of the box and we can allow the light to shine on them and we can be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry, we will see them in a different light and we can stop boxing because you can't love your neighbor from a box. What's amazing is that Jesus saw this coming. Not the election, but the division. Jesus never put people in boxes. After the Passover meal, he's getting to the end and he knows he's going to die and he's washed all the disciples' feet. Okay, pay attention to this. Even the one he knew was going to betray him. You want to talk about loving somebody that's a different color box than you? How about washing the feet of somebody who's going to betray you and also the one who's going to deny you? And also all of them ran away except for the Apostle John. That's what Jesus would do. You want to know WWJD? He washed their feet and then he gives them a prayer request. Imagine being in a circle with Jesus and Jesus says, hey, you guys, I want to pray and I know it's the end, and I know, it's, I know we're coming down to it. This is really, really important to me. Wouldn't you want to know what Jesus' last prayer request was? He knows he's getting ready to be beaten and crucified, and everything is moving fast. So he stops with them, and he says, I want to give you a prayer. And he asks his heavenly Father, I will remain in the world no longer, Father, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. You see, the problem is the disciples were boxers. Okay? They were prejudiced. They were racist towards everyone but Jewish men, basically. Let me show you. Like One day, they go into Samaria, where the disciples already don't like those people anyway. And, and they go into Samaria, and they, they try to do some healing there. And the town says, no, go away. We don't want you here. And here's James and John, when they saw this, said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Okay. This is James and John. They're, they're known as the sons of thunder. They've got issues. Okay, that's their deal. So, so, so I'm like, James and John, what part of Jesus that you know so far is known for firebombing? Is he pro-firebombing? Because I don't know. And number two, why do you think he would need your help if that was his choice? Come on. Yo, Jesus, I got a guy. I got fire guy. You want me to call him? Here's the problem. They're boxers, okay? They didn't like the Samaritans. Now they have an excuse to blow them up. That's the disciples. They're box people. So with these guys, Thunder Boys, listening, Jesus gives his last request, which is a way of asking God uh, to do something, which means it should be really, really important to all of us. I pray for those who will believe in me. He's not just talking to them. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to all of us who have turned our lives over to Jesus. And he says this, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Okay. 
How many of them is that? That's all of them. What kind? Uh, Republicans, Democrats, independents, libertarians, red, yellow, black, and white, dogs and cats living together. Everyone may be one. Okay? Maybe one. This doesn't come naturally because of the things that we've experienced. It doesn't come naturally because of the people who raised us and our different wiring and our personalities and our opinions because we have our little boxes. But Jesus knew that His church was going to be so diverse that we would have to figure out how to be one outside of our boxes. In the book of Revelation, it says every tribe and tongue is going to be gathered around the throne and they're not going to be walking around in their little boxes. So He knows this is going to be hard. But it's His last Prayer request, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that, purpose clause, English students, so that the world, not the people within the walls, but the people outside the walls, outside the faith, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. When they see the unity in spite of the diversity, when they see the unity in spite of the political beliefs and the unity in spite of the socioeconomic and cultural and race backgrounds in the churches, they will know that we believe that the Lord is our shepherd and that He is in control. It goes back to last week. They will know you're my disciples. How? By our love. How does that work? That means I'm quick to listen. I listen to why they're voting the way they do. I empathize with their fear and their uncertainty and their doubt. And I agree in Jesus that these fears and uncertainties and doubts don't get to win. And when they see the unity and all that, and that somehow we're still able to be one and unified, even when we disagree on the solutions, then the world will know that you have sent me. And that's the most important thing. And by the way, staying unified was eventually what got the attention of the Roman Empire and, and eventually got the attention of the world for the centuries after that. Jesus goes on and he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus' last prayer request. The world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. How? Through our unity. Through this unique bond that we have as his disciples. Everything depends on unity. Paul says later, make every effort to maintain unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. If we stay one, the world will find the true answer. This is a great quote from Anglican Bishop Rowan Williams. Unity is a gospel imperative. When we realize that our life with Christ is somehow bound up with our willingness to abide with those who we think are sinful and those who we think are stupid. Our life in Christ is bound up because of the unity that we have with people that we don't agree with. Because please remember, I've said this before, I'll say it again before it's all over, your political candidate will win or lose based on how America votes on November 3rd. But Jesus' church will win or lose based on how we treat each other between now and then. So here's where we're confused right now. 
And I know this because I'm confused. Maybe that's where we need to start, okay? But let me help you to understand where I'm at. To those of you who've been worried that I've gone liberal because I've decided to hit the racism discussion head on, you're boxing me, okay? I've seen socialism up close in Cuba when it was still communist controlled, wasn't working for anyone, don't think it's the answer. But to those of you who think that it is my Christian duty to support the Republican Party because they are going to protect religious freedom, you are also boxing me. It is not that simple. There are deep Christian issues on both sides of the fence. And this church will never, can never legally, since the Johnson Amendment, take a political position towards an election. Even if it was that simple, it's illegal. So our goal is unity. I'm going to vote. I have my own ideas. I hope you do too. But our goal is unity. And it was not my idea. It was Jesus's final wish for the church. Does that mean we have to agree? Of course not. You can be a Cubs fan. You can be a Sox fan. As long as we all love each other, as long as the light is on, as long as we don't box each other up. I mean, people in the New Testament during unity times disagreed. Paul and Barnabas disagreed about a mission trip so differently, so, so, so harshly that they ended up going on two separate trips. Okay, that's okay. But they were unified. They had the same purpose. The same goal was that they may believe that you sent Jesus. You still have your opinion. It's your duty to vote and work towards the good of your country. Just be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I had a friend tell me he was wearing his red face mask in to get a haircut. And he could tell that the stylist was blue and kind of gave him the sod, if you remember last week, the sigh of disgust. And he said, hey, hey, I get it. Let's have a conversation. And he said they had a great conversation. Probably neither one of them were swayed, but they could agree to disagree. That's the only way unity works. And some of you are going to say, well, wait a minute, what about righteous anger, PT? Yes, Jesus had righteous anger. I wrote a book about it. You ought to go read it because if you pay attention to it, the people that Jesus had righteous anger at were the people who had righteous anger. <laughs> it wasn't the people who believed incorrectly about politics or society. It was the people who blocked access to God. He said, you are shutting the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. That's righteous anger because you think you have it figured out and everybody ought to do it the way you do. You're blocking access to the kingdom of God. They can't believe that God sent me because of what you're doing. There's your righteous anger. Just don't forget that your first responsibility is to a greater kingdom. I, I knew I had this somewhere. I wanted to dig it back out. We talked about this last week. This is a literal 30 pieces of silver coin. It would have been the same coin that Judas used. I don't think this was the one, um, but, but it's from the first century. I got it in Israel. I keep it in a little case on my desk to remind me never to sell out Jesus. And Caesar's picture is right there on the front because I told you he was on every coin. And that one day when they tried to trick Jesus and they said, Jesus, should we pay taxes or not? Remember that he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's, right? He's saying you are part of two kingdoms. You're part of this kingdom and you're part of that kingdom. 
And you need to fulfill your responsibilities to both of them. But I've got to tell you, Jesus didn't prioritize it in this one, but he does in many other instances. You know where the priority kingdom is. You know exactly where the priority kingdom is. It's to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first commandment. That is our first kingdom. I'm so proud of some of the stuff that I've gotten. Um, Here's an email from somebody. Dear Pastor, I'm going to stop posting anti-liberal material on Facebook immediately. I did the same thing during the last election, but I've fallen back into thinking I can force my conservative views onto the liberal hordes (laughs) through sarcasm and well-constructed rants. After listening to last weekend's message for the eighth time, maybe you need to go back through this, and that included sitting through two in-church services last Sunday, this was two weeks ago, and listening to it every night while going to sleep, I'm now ready to follow the biblical, be quick to listen, understand the other side, be slow to answer, if at all, and be slow to angry. He said, I'm angry 24-7. It's got to stop. I'm presently stressing myself out over a goal that I'll never achieve and also not acting in the way that God would prefer. I think it's a matter of trust. Do you really believe that God is in control? Is the light on in your room, or are you afraid of the sombrero monster? Let me recommend a great resource to you. It's a a book I've just halfway through right now called The Space Between Us, if you're interested. It's by Sarah Bauer Anderson, uh, who happens to be Gary Bauer's daughter. Gary Bauer made a run for president in 2020 as a Republican. He was head of the Family Research Council, very conservative Republican. And she, his daughter, has Democratic leanings. The uh, inside, uh, the, the subtitle of the book is How Jesus Teaches Us to Live Together When Politics and Religion Pull Us Apart, if you're interested All right, so Jesus' last prayer, let's pray. I mean, it makes sense, right? Don't forget what he prayed. I just want to ask you to pray with me, and I'm going to ask you to pray some uncomfortable things, okay? So here we go. Bow your heads with me and pray. I don't care where you're at, Starbucks or wherever you're watching this, whatever's going on. um, I want to ask you, first and foremost, to pray for the opposition's political candidates, okay? Those people that you disagree with, um, they, you may even think they're the villain of the universe, okay? They're Dr. Evil to you. I just want you to pray for them because Jesus said we're supposed to pray for our enemies. So just do that right now. Pray for them. Pray that God blesses them with health and strength. And we're going to pray that if they should win, that God will do good things through them. I know when I say that, you're like, there's no way that could happen. I I, I promise you, the Lord is our shepherd. Just pray that right now. Oh, that felt nasty, didn't it? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Being a Christian is not always, you know butterflies and fairies, okay? This stuff is hard. Now, I want to pray for the people that we know that oppose us politically. Maybe it's in our family, our coworkers, our our neighbors, 
person that we're close to that's disagreeing with us online and we just can't help but have arguments about this stuff because these are hot issues. I want you to pray God's blessing on them, that God blesses them in crazy, beautiful, amazing ways, that they win the lottery for crying out loud, that, that, that God just does amazing things in their life because that's what Jesus told us to do. And God bless you if nobody fits that category. But it's okay if they do because we're all living in this tension. And I want to pray that God would help us to use love and to use love as our filter and use unity as our filter and that we would start to see these issues not as political and not put people in boxes and think that everybody fits into a specific little place, that during this campaign season, this political season, that we can begin to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to be angry, that they will know that we are Christians by our love. Pray that with us. Father, I just want to pray. I'm not standing on the outside of this thing. I mean, I stay out of social media, but I have opinions and I get angry. And, and I have people that I love that I disagree with. And many of us are in that situation right now because it really feels dark and the shadows are scary. And I pray that you will shine light into the darkness and help us to keep out of the boxes and keep people out of the boxes and know that the Lord is our shepherd, not the next president of the United States. And that you, even though we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil for you are with us. Help us to remember that we're part of your kingdom first. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Like me, you've probably been challenged to live and love more like Jesus over the last few weeks. It could be that God has been laying something on your heart, but you just need more time to process what that might be. And so if that describes you in any way, I recommend going back to listen to each message in the series. To do that, go to parkviewchurch.com slash on the go and subscribe to Parkview's content. You will find it all there on that page. And last, to everyone who usually attends Parkview in person, This is your official reminder that we are going to be hosting weekly Sunday services with full kids ministry starting October 11th. If you're in Chicagoland, make sure you tell your neighbors, family, and really anybody with a pulse because we could not be more excited about what's to come. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.